So our, our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 19, 16 through 26. It's the rich young man. So that's Matthew 19, 16 through 26. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. And do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your brother, father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Well, that means he's horizontal there, right? Right, horizontal. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. Matthew, two weeks ago, he, he read the, uh, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, and then uh, this Sunday, Dan as you just heard, the rich man. Those are two stories that I want to dive into eventually down the road, so you might want to keep that in mind. Um, i got to find my glasses because I'm old. I do, I do want to recognize some, uh, some kindness cards, too. Um, Sean and Tiana, they, they, a couple of weeks ago, they went down somewhere around Havana. They were looking for moms, and, and then one of the two, maybe both of them, said, April needs to have a mom. So they, they brought back this beautiful yellow mom for April. I thought, what, what is a kind act. Along the same lines, Bev, the flowers you sent to mom, my favorites. They were purple in that white vase. So I said, I'm not going to take them down to mom. I'm just going to keep <laughs> But that, that, you've done a lot of beautiful arrangements, but that was my favorite. I think it's because purple is my favorite color, but, but uh, yeah, that was, that was very pretty. And I don't, have I brought the white vase back? Maybe I have, okay, good. <laughs> uh, Johanna yesterday or last Sunday said, I've got lots of eggs. I'm gonna give April two dozen eggs. So April, appreciate that so much. Uh, it's good. This is last kindness. You know, when we think of kindness, we often think about what we're giving to one another, and and that's good. But this one, and I know this, and actually Dan's already talked about it this morning. 
uh, Jamie Ballard texted me this morning and she said, Dan, we can't be there this morning, but I want you to know that, that we're praying for you this morning. And so that was, that's a kind act. That's, that's kind of, that's good. That's so good to know that she was, she and her family were praying for me. Joan, you, I, you message me on Facebook a lot to tell me that you're praying for April and, and me and, and, and for mama. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. And again, what a blessing that is. I know a lot of you are, are praying for us, as Dan said. Dan said, you guys are all praying for us. And uh, that's such a blessing to have you guys doing that for us. Uh, appreciate that so much. That's, that's a kindness. Uh, the book is Family Shepherds, Body Bauckham. That's that. Also, um, Man in the Mirror, October 23rd. Again, men, hopefully we have a rainy day. We're praying for that. Matthew told me this is a perfect scenario out here. So this is a scenario we're praying for, uh, is this kind of rain. Uh, and then we'll go and do that. Matthew, you know, you talked about, if I came up with a woman that I thought might no? Okay. <laughs> All right. Shook your head no. Gotcha. Okay. Stay here. That's not my slide. But do you guys notice that slide shows up every Sunday? And you notice I haven't yet talked about it. <laughs> so, so I think Nick, Nick is gently hinting to me when you're going to get to this. And I get it because it was last in June. Um, I want to explain it this way. I, if handling tools was a spiritual gift, that would definitely not be my spiritual gift is handling tools. Uh, or if I had the ability to handle tools, it would have to be a spiritual gift for, for me to be able to do that. One, whichever way you would look at that. Uh, this happened three or four years ago. Actually longer than that because April's dad was still alive. So a long time ago. Saturday morning, April gets up, and she's going to do something with her mom dad, so she takes off, and she's going to do something with her mom. Well, our back door wasn't working right. It wasn't working right. It just wouldn't close. So I said to myself, I'm going to surprise April and fix this back door. And when she gets home, we're going to have a fixed back door. After all, it's just a door. It's just a door handle. That's all it is. I can do this. So I dive into it. Two hours later, I'm still into this. <laughs> Well, it's much, much worse. <laughs> and April's driving down the road towards us. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is not going to be good. And sure enough, it's not good. <laughs> she comes in onto our porch and she says, what are you doing? You know you're not supposed to handle tools. Now go stand in the corner. So while I'm standing in the corner, seriously, while I'm standing in the corner, <laughs> she gets on her phone and she's calling Jay Ballard. Now, in April's eyes, Jay Ballard is absolutely the only carpenter who exists on the planet Earth. There's no other carpenter than Jay Ballard. And Jay Ballard's a busy man, and on this particular Saturday, I'm assuming Jay Ballard is building a beautiful house somewhere. But April's on the phone calling Jay Ballard. Jay Ballard, here's to put it in perspective, Jay Ballard is the only man on the planet Earth that April will make cookies for. That's it. If I want cookies, I have to go through Jay Ballard. <laughs> hey, Jay, I, uh, I saw the door in half. Uh, can you come over? Yeah, I'll make sure the cookies are right. <laughs> it's just That's the way it is. 
my point in saying that is that sometimes we get into things that lead to bigger things. And that's really what's happened here. I know I started this in June. <laughs> I promise you, when I started this in June, I thought we'll be done by July. And you guys, will, you guys will know what your spiritual gifts are and you'll be exercising your spiritual gifts and we'll be just rocking and rolling with our spiritual gifts. I, that's what I assume. I look back in all my files and I've, <laughs> I've got 18 messages that are titled spiritual gifts. <laughs> it's like, I'm never going to get there. <laughs> so, but I am. I am. The thing is, there's just been so much, as I've dug into it, there's been so much that I've kind of studied. And you guys know I'm learning stuff as you guys learn stuff, right? Whatever, whatever you guys are learning, I'm learning as, as we go. So, so I've seen this stuff, and I think, man, I need to tell you about this. I need to tell you about this. I need to tell you about this. And we are sort of close to the, to the spiritual gifts, but I want, hopefully, here's the deal. I could have in June, I could have said, do the spiritual gift survey, take it, this is your spiritual gift, now exercise it. And if I was the teacher in a class, I would expect you all, I expect 90% of you to do that. that and then there'd be 10% of you who wouldn't. But that's what you do when you're a teacher. 90% of your class does exactly what you tell them to do, and then 10% they don't. That's, that's the rule. So I could have done that, but to me, that's not, that wouldn't be exciting. That, 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 wouldn't, that wouldn't energize you. I've told you guys before that, that one of my great joys as a teacher was teaching novels. And when I had my class in front of me, I always would tell them, you are not to read ahead. You read it. I give you chapter one, you read chapter one. You don't read chapter two, you read chapter one. When would, then chapter two, chapter three. I, I, told, I made my kids all promise they would not read ahead. But it was, a false, it was a false request because I did deeply desire my kids to get so involved in that novel that they would read ahead, that they would get so enraptured with that, that they would ignore my directive to just read a chapter at a time. That's what I want with the spiritual gifts. I don't want you just to learn what they are. I want you to become enraptured with them. I want you to become excited about the exercise of them. And I'm hoping and praying that all this time we spend in prep for that, all the things we've talked about in preparation for that, has made you curious about it and made you say, yes, this is really what I want for my life. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I hope I hope we're all on that page. I do not want to quench the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to grow His fruit in me. I want the Holy Spirit to show me my gifts so I can exercise them. Does that make sense? That's, that's where we're at with that, okay? From that, we're going to get rolling. Let's go. We're rolling again. Okay, let's review. So the foundation is established. Yes? <laughs> all right, good. All right, now you guys are going to get the hang of it. Through a broken and contrite heart, we have a foundation. And this is what I'm talking about as we kind of move forward with the spiritual gifts. This is, this is a foundation to that, to have a broken and contrite heart. Our will is now equal to God's will, yes? Yes. We're now ready to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, yes? Yes. Now we know why we need to do that and why we want to do that. We've renewed our mindset, as it says in Romans 12, too. We have the renewing of our minds now. Yes, yes. And we're going vertical. We're not going to stay horizontal. We're going to go vertical as that in-betweener willing, willing to grow. Yes, yes. 
This is, this is what we want to do. Uh, and, you know, again, as, as a, a guy who talks about God's word, I can just say, this is what you're supposed to do, now do it. But I want you to be invigorated about it. I want you to say, this is the right direction for me to go. So that's where we're going to head today. Let's go. So remember last week we had not only the guy who is operating in fear, we had the guy who says, you know what, I don't have any time for this. I don't have time to present myself as a living sacrifice because I've got this job to do, I've got these things to do, I've got these chores to do, I've got these hobbies to do, I've got all this stuff to do. I don't have time to do this also. But remember our point last week was this. It's a living sacrifice. You are living Every day you get up and you live and you do all the stuff that you're supposed to do in that day. You go to your job, you do the things. You also, you can plug living sacrifice into that. Not only are you doing all the stuff that you, you're supposed to be doing, but you're also supposed to be living as a living sacrifice, fully acceptable to God, right? That can connect. The whole point of last week for, is for us to believe or us to bring into our lives this ability to not only breathe every time we need to breathe, not only have our heart beat every time it needs to beat, but also us, as we move through the day, to be cognizant, to be aware that I'm also a living sacrifice all through the day. Can you imagine a better scenario than you laying yourself, your head on your pillow at night, or you kneeling beside your bed at night before you go to bed, and you being able to pray and say, oh, wow, Lord God, this was a good day. It was a good day because I was with you all day long. It was a good day because I lived as a living sacrifice. Lord God, I can look back and I can see all those little tidbits when I was zeroed in on you. Wouldn't that be a good way to end every single day of our lives? Wouldn't it? That's the idea of being a living and holy sacrifice, to get to the end of the day and you'd be able to look at your, your back trail and say, wow, amazingly, God was here all day long. Good stuff. So how about the fearful guy? Why would, the, why would you be afraid of this? To me, the big reason people are afraid of this is because they think if I give my life to God, then I don't have a life. And I want in my life, I want to do all the things I want to do. And if I give my life to God, I've got to do all the things God wants me to do. So I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid to do that. What's he going to require of me if I do that? If you go there, then you've forgotten the idea of being a living sacrifice every single day. He's not telling you, don't go do your job. He's not telling you, don't go do the things you want to do. He's not telling you, don't do your hobbies or whatever. He's not telling you not to do all that. All he's telling you is that in the midst of all that you're going to do, remember me. Remember to be a living sacrifice. But he's also with us. And I, I wanted to just put down a lot of verses Throughout Scripture where he tells us that he's with us, from Isaiah 41, 13. Can you trust this? Can you trust this statement? For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, 
I will help you. Can you trust that? Is God a liar? Is he a liar? Can you trust that? Can you trust you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart? Can you think of a better scenario where you find God? Can anything better happen in your life than finding God? It's the best thing anyone could ever have in their lives is to find Him. From Psalm 27:1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? What's the opposite? What's the opposite? If you're an unbeliever, what's the opposite? The opposite has to be, I live in darkness. There is no light in my life. I'm in total darkness. The opposite has to be, I have no salvation. I have no salvation. An unbeliever has to say that. An unbeliever has to say, I live in darkness. I have no salvation. They have to. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Why? Live in fear, ever, ever. Does Jesus speak lies or truths? Is he a liar or does he speak truth? Which is it? It's one or the other. He speaks truth. Let's see what he says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The righteous. Guess who the righteous are? The righteous are those who present their lives as living and holy sacrifices. That's who the righteous are. What happens to the righteous according to the Scripture? They shall be satisfied. If we did a synonym there, we'd say they shall have peace. They shall have peace. Complete peace. Complete satisfaction. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Is he a liar or does he speak truth? He speaks truth. If God is taking care of the sparrows, if God is taking care of those, will he not also take care of you? Why fear? Then why are you afraid? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Let's, let's look at this one a little bit. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those? Let's zero there. Do you desire what is good? Or do you desire what is evil? Which do you desire? Do you want what is good or do you want what is evil? We want what is good. All of us do. Even non-believers want what is good. They really don't want what is evil. They want what is good. They just don't know how to get there. They don't know how to find that. But the point of the verse is, we're evil, but yet we know how to treat our children good. Think about the Father who is perfect, how He's able to just pour goodness out on us. Let's go next one. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both souls. What's this pointing to? Those who kill the body. That's horizontal living. I live my life in such a fearful way. I'm so aware of everybody who's around me. I care what that person thinks. I care what that person thinks. I care what that person thinks. I'm living in this material, possessive-type world. 
And I'm scared not to. I'm scared not to. I care what people think about me. It's horizontal. Vertical is fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's vertical. That's the idea. That's the negative side of living vertical. Fear him who is able to throw us into hell. This is my very favorite one from Matthew 12. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Zero right here, guys. Does everyone wear a yoke? Does everyone wear a yoke? Everyone wears a yoke. We all are wearing yokes. The difference is, are we wearing a yoke that the world has put upon us, a horizontal yoke, a yoke fo focused on horizontal things? Is that the yoke we're wearing? And the majority of people are. They're wearing the yoke the world has put upon them. But Jesus says, take my yoke. Take off that world yoke. Put my yoke on it. Look what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Look how he describes himself. For I am gentle. I am humble in heart. How's that different from the world yoke? The world yoke is demanding. The world yoke says, you've got to do it this way. The world yoke says, get into line. Get in line and do it this way. The world yoke always disappoints. The world yoke always disillusions. The, the world yoke always ends up discouraging you. There is no peace in the yoke of the world. You cannot find peace there. You cannot find satisfaction there. The only place to find peace, the only place to find satisfaction is in the yoke of Jesus. How's he describe it? Put it on. I'll give you rest. You can rest in me. In light of all of God's words, why do we live there? Why do we live here? Why do we live keeping God in distance? Say, you know, I want a little bit of you, but I don't want all of you. I just want a little bit. Why do we live that way? No, we shouldn't. We should not. Okay. And about the, this is kind of a hodgepodge message. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we're hodgepodging this. About those churchy things church attendance, tithing, Sunday school, Bible studies, praying, singing the praise, preaching, communion, blah, 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 baptism, fellowship. We can put all kinds of things up there. I, I just put a. Because I want to make this point. Are those good things? Are those good things? Is it good to come to church? Is it good to tithe? Is it good to go to Bible study? Is it good to go to Sunday school? Is, is those good things? The answer is yes. Those are good things. Those are really, really good things. And the reason why I want to bring this up, I thought myself, you know what? I maybe have been negative about churchy things, but no, I'm positive about churchy things. We need to do these things. These are things we need to be doing. All of us. And it kind of reminded me of the Old Testament sacrifices. Those Old Testament sacrifices with the Israelites, God commanded the Israelites to do all those things. 
all those sacrifices, all that stuff, all those rituals, God said, do these things. Does that make them good or evil? They have to be good because God said, do them. They're not evil. Those things, those things in and of themselves were not evil things for the Israelites to do. These were good things. These were commands of God. We followed them. He is good. What he's told us, this is good. Those are good. It's good. Right? Those are good things. But then you read something like Psalm 51, and you can read this also in Isaiah a lot. For you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. What is going on here? This is good, but God is saying, I don't delight in it. There's a disconnect here, right? He's the one that set them up. Now he's saying, I don't delight in it. What's the disconnect? What's going wrong here? Something's screwy. Let's look at it. He shows us in John 4. In John 4, what we have is we have the Samaritan woman at the well. The disciples have gone into the village to try and find wood. They've left Jesus at the well. This woman comes to the well, and Jesus says, would you draw me water? And they get into this long conversation. It's a woman who's had like, I don't know, four or five husbands or something like that. In fact, Jesus, I think, says to her, the man you're with now is not your husband. And so we've got this situation here. And I'm not, we're not going to focus there. I want to focus when they start talking about worship. Let's focus there. So she looks at him. She finally in all this, because again, Jesus was telling her her whole life. He, she didn't offer to him that you've got four or five husbands. Jesus looks at her and says, I know your situation. I'll tell you exactly what your situation is. You've been with four or five men. Blah, blah, blah. So the woman says to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. In other words, you've told me everything about my life. But look what she says next. Our fathers worshipped in the mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Is that statement horizontal or is it vertical? It's horizontal. She zeroed in on the geographical location of worship. This is where we're supposed to worship. We're supposed to worship here. You Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We say we worship on the mount. It's a completely horizontal thing. In other words, if we worship where, where we're supposed to worship, then all's good. Everything's horizontal. If I worship where I'm supposed to worship, that's all good. Apply to us. If we say we're supposed to worship here, that's horizontal. Everybody got that? We say we're only supposed to worship here in this sanctuary. That's a horizontal way of thinking. Look how Jesus answers. An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Horizontal statement or vertical statement? Vertical. Notice how Jesus takes her completely away from this physical geographical location. Basically, what Jesus says is your sanctuary doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing. That's not true worship. That's really what he's saying. 